Midnight have returned with Let There Be Witchery. Since 2003, one-man band Athenar has been churning out an ungodly racket, dropping countless demos, splits, and EPs. Music to start fights to, delivering more of what can be expected from his demented mind. Don't miss this catchy mixture of black and speed metal and dirty punk rock. I always wanted to be loud and nasty, Athenar asserts. That kind of thing never gets old with me. How funny will that look to me at age 77, if I reach that point, sitting on the porch blasting Hellhammer? Let There Be Witchery is coming out March 4th. Check out music, pre-orders, and more at metalblade.com slash midnight. One more time, guys. Midnight's new record, Let There Be Witchery, is coming out March 4th. Go pre-order it right now at metalblade.com slash Midnight. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, 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 friends out there. It is I, your host, Petter Spych. I am always joined by the lovable and keen Brandon Hahn, and who... In no way, okay, that voice that you were just doing. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. Cheerio. Is it, <laughs> is it medieval or are you doing English? He's a, what are you doing? He's appropriating. He's appropriating something, and I don't like it. I think it went downhill when he did three hellos. Yeah, I wasn't into it. Should I say I? That's better. Oh, that's you nailed it. You nailed it. I. Hey, what's your name? What's your name? Uh, my name is Sylvia. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at it's the Sylvia. And make sure to follow the coast. That's uh, Jocelyn Sharp. That's J O Z A L Y N Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Wizard of Jaws on TikTok. If you guys want to follow me, I am at our other podcast handle. That is at Rise to Offend on Twitter and Facebook. Rise to Offend official on Instagram. This week, back on the show. Always a fucking fantastic chat. That is Barney Greenway from Napalm Death. We are here to celebrate the new mini album. Resentment is always seismic, guys. It's coming out February 11th. Make sure you're pre-ordering this record. It's going to be awesome. I'm telling you guys once again. But before I jump into our interview with Barney, these three kids, we're going to talk a little bit about the Metal Sucks News. Tell me who's an idiot Tell me how to feel It's the news Make me feel great Make me feel hate Feel my own agenda It's the news Like your new god why am I talking in such a, a horrible accent right now? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You know what happened? I'll you, tell you what it is. A stroke? No, no, no. You don't, you don't, you, when you have a stroke, your accent doesn't turn English, Brandon. You getting I, a little seizure? I'm offended. I thought, seizure? Same thing. I don't guys. know. You don't change your dialect. Okay, what happens? Okay, anyways. What ended up happening is that um, I had to buy a special DVD player to play PAL DVDs because my, my lady went on this tangent and bought all these um, English BBC4, like, shows with like matt berry he's he's one of the guys in what we do in shadows and none of them work (laughs) in our dvd player so so i bought this thing and it's it's just a stupid dvd player but like dude all we've been walking watching is nothing but these british 
comedy. So it's cl- it's like sticking. You're absorbing. It, dude, the- I am everywhere. That I happened. I virtually uh, went to the Seven Eleven, and I'm like, thank you. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, Pete went through this. <laughs> Pete went what through are you this. doing with? Is this coming out? I think that's out? what happened with kids who watched uh, Peppa Pig. Yo, it did happen. Like Americans, yeah. Uh, American kids were watching Peppa Pig, which is like this English kids show, and they started speaking with a. Pete went through accent. this phase when uh, in high school when Monty Python came into your uh, into my existence. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, and it just it's just everything was it was funny. like the same I thing. Yeah. I had the same thing happen to me when I was into ra- hardcore rap and hip hop. But I can't do that these days. I yeah, would, I would, I would, right. I would talk in or a very like Wu Tang. Yeah. Yes, I would. It's like, yeah, yes, I would. What set you claim? Aww. Yeah, I, I mean, it just you just kind of appropriate uh, the the dialect that sounds cool in your mind. Oh, right I can't yeah. imagine if you ever moved to uh, England. No, you know what? Uh, we're going October sixth for ten days. God have mercy on us. Yeah, yeah. we're go- we're actually going <laughs> to see. <laughs> we're we're going to England. Uh, and me and my lady, and she bought tickets to Hot Water Music and Boy Sets Fire just because they're playing there. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, we're going to see a band that we can see in the States, <laughs> but it might get canceled by the time we go. And she oh, bought tickets no. already, dude. So I'm going to see Hot Water Music and Boy Sets Fire in, in England, which would be amazing if it all plays out. But anyways, um, yeah. Um, and so she's really, she is English. That's her bloodline. So oh, okay. she's very much getting me on board with that. But it's funny because my kid did say, what do they call a pile driver in English speak? <laughs> what I, I mean, it's a wrestling move. A gobwaller. A, a gobwaller. Gob- <laughs> I don't know. A gobwaller. Give me a gobwaller. I don't know. We Cheerio. just watched. A, we just watched a film called Brassed Off. <laughs> like I said, right? it's with Ewan McGregor. Fantastic movie. Um, but uh, the dialect really stuck in my head, and it was it was a lot of the slang, and I didn't hear gobwaller. Was it like co- like Cockney accent, or was it? Uh, like- I don't. It was about the Grimly Mines getting shut down and the band. It was a really cool movie. I don't know if people can get their hands on it because the DVD copy we got doesn't play in oh, I like the states. Being exclusive. Yeah. So, but it was uh, <laughs> that was one of the things. So, anyways, that's why I did it. But before we move into the Metal Sucks news stories, just so I can explain my stupid ass intro oh, to everybody, because I feel I feel. You guys made me feel so you can apologize to the English for appropriating their culture. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Yes, bro. We're Western. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're one culture. You're, we're all Westernized. You're bro. choking on spotted dick. Whatever they call what? McDonald's <laughs> over there, it's their food. You're spotted dick's good stuff. Yeah. Is, it, is that a thing? Yeah, yeah it's a spotted dick. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know it was it's, spotted it, dick. It's, mm-hmm. it's a delicacy. No, it's not a delicacy. It's just a, a plate. It's just what food. is it? Um, I think it's raisins and pudding. And they call it a spotted dick? Bro, I better look that up before I, yeah. I pretend like I make spotted dick on the weekend. I don't know what it is, but that's what I... I, I forgot what a spotted dick is, but I remember uh, someone... jamming beans and mash in your mouth. Gave me some, man. And I, and I, I thought it was a dessert. Anyways, my kid, Briscoe, uh, uh-huh. he's six now. Wow. And whenever he wants me to fix something, he's like, Papa, can you mend it? And that's from Peppa Pig. Oh. I he doesn't see, use I the accent, but, but he, he uses, uses the word. I'm like, mend? Where'd you hear that? Mend it. And he's like, well, that's what the Papa on Peppa Pig did. So he see, says mend it all the time. You. That's, yeah. that's yeah. a thing. Mend it like Beckham. First story, we're going to have to take sides. Mend it like Beckham. <laughs> take Sorry. a lap around the building. Sorry. Think about your mindset. Okay. What are you doing oh, here? Oh, I'm going to go take the lap. Okay, and we're back. And we're back. There's no editing that went into that whatsoever. First story you want to talk. We got to take sides in the first story, guys. We have to take sides. I have a feeling we're all going to take one side, but uh, Eddie Vedder, uh, not a you know I don't think Pearl Jam's considered metal. They're rock. They're like I mean, you grunge. know they're gr- we know they're grunge alternative or like they're considered the grunge movement. But like as far as the grunge movement metal bands, we're going to lean towards Alice in Chains being the top dog, sure. right? Then Soundgarden, okay, 
then Nirvana. Oh, I'd say Nirvana first before Soundgarden. I don't oh, think. I, so. think no, I don't think. I don't think so at all, bro. Bad Motorfingers all about that doomy Black Sabbath. Yeah, like, riffs ru- and, like sludgy kind of. Yeah, like Nirvana's like punker. It's well, more I know punk, it's yeah. more punk, but I'm just talking about the whole grunge thing. It's like you no, he's throw talking them about like more metal. The oh. most metal out of yeah, those, so the big four grunge. So Allison Chains is the big most metal that they've influenced the most. True. Then Soundgarden. They're the most untouchable. Uh, you can't mimic them. And then you got, by the way, did you guys hear the Melvins cover with Matt yes. Cameron on drums? Dude, that was fucking uh, awesome, dude. Loved that it. That was so awesome. Everybody check it out, dude. The Melvins just released it. I think it was a, a video, but it's, uh, you got two, my, pretty much my two favorite drummers playing on a track together. It's crazy. And then obviously Buzz and uh, Steve McDonald, I think, is playing bass, but they did Spoon Man. And they do like a two and a half uh, minute version. It's amazing. Look it That's up. great. Uh, anyways, uh, so... Back to what I was saying. So metal-wise, we got Nirvana third, and then Pearl Jam a distant fourth in the metal sphere. I don't know a lot of metal heads that don't appreciate Pearl Jam 10 versus mm-hmm. Vitology, but they can give a shit about pretty much anything else. Yeah, anything out. after. <laughs> I am a fan of Pearl Jam. Uh, I like Pearl Jam. Anything after through, 10, I'm like, come on. Uh, Gigaton, and I think the one before that, was it... Uh, it was um, Lightning. Was it Lightning, lightning Bolt? Bolt? Yeah, did I not actually, do I it actually, for me. I actually like that album. Uh, no, I mean I'm not saying I didn't like them, but they did not do it for me. The, the, I, I, I don't think I need any more Pearl Jam in my life. I have wow. so many live records, but those two records I barely put on, put my the needle down. I didn't listen okay. to a lot, so I'm not saying I won't buy the next one. But I, I think that I'm a little bit grown out now. Their classic stuff is great. So Eddie Vedder, lead singer Pearl Jam, he stated that he despised Motley Crue. And Nikki Six calls Pearl Jam one of the most boring bands in history. Let me just say, we're taking sides here, all right? Pearl Jam, in comparison to Motley Crue, is like a real band <laughs> compared to show tunes, bro. Like a show band that doesn't sing, doesn't do shit. Pearl Jam, I've seen them live. They play three hours every single time. They Musicianship's insane. Yeah. They play these ex- just exemplary jam songs. But... Motley. Is it exciting? No, it uh, is not exciting. Here we go. He's the Molly Crew guy. You go. Who? who, who? Eddie Vedder. You're on the no, obviously. No, God. You're, Eddie, no. that music hasn't done shit for me since Eddie Vedder had a soul patch. It's like it's been that long. <laughs> so you like soul? I just always remember Goatee Eddie Vedder, but you're Goatee, right. He had Eddie a soul, Vedder, patch in, in, soul patch in, 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 in the early years. Huh? Yeah, I'm just talking like where he was hanging from shit and, ju- and doing say, like, doing stage dives. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, that Eddie Vedder. But I mean, since then, well, I like, mean, you think he's gonna stage dive to "Don't Call Me Doder" and you think he's gonna do that? No, he's not. That's a classic song. But it's not anything. It's not a stage dive. It's not song. anything that's gonna get me also, up and jumping well, and running Vince around. Vince Neil ain't stage diving to live wire, buddy. He's not Are you? I hope not. Okay, well, Vince Neil is like so old well that's what i'm saying motley crew are they the same age yeah but my thing is though is at least vince neal and and nikki six they'll grab like a flamethrower that's exciting okay yeah is the music is pete right when he's saying that yeah those guys pretty much get up and do a jam track yeah that sucks okay but it's motley crew and they know that it doesn't matter how you sound you just got to make sure you put as much excitement into the into the uh, the, the performance, and it's going to get the people yeah, to react. Distract them from the music. Now, Eddie Vedder. That's s- what happens with the Chili Peppers. I mean, it's like seriously. Oh, he sings. Oh, I've you, never. You think that you? Call, that's, I've never. That's look, what look, you call him? Okay, I've never seen Anthony Kiedis or Glenn Danzig 
not sing. I'm not saying they sound great every time. Okay, that's what I'm but saying. But I've never, dude. Compared to Vince Neil, you're not going to. But my point you, is, is you know, Anthony Kiedis is an energy guy. He goes out there and he gets the energy from the crowd, and you still walk away from a Chili Peppers performance, going, "Wow, that guy gave it his bro, all." If people aren't excited about seeing Frashante Flea and Chad Smith jam while Anthony Kiedis runs around again, I don't know what. Makes but here's me happy. the thing, though. I'm stoked. Okay, bro. but you just said I while Anthony Kiedis them. runs around a bit, if it's just the three of them sitting in a circle jamming. You're going to be like, okay, what's going on? No, it's, they do the, that. The live. fact that they got somebody that can get the energy from the crowd is is helpful to rock and roll. So, although I agree with the musicianship part that you were talking about okay. with Motley Crue, I got to say that when you're talking about fun bands, it's not like I go to Pearl Jam and go, like, wow, it's like it was like candy for my eyes. Like, no, it didn't do anything for me. I've never. See, my my thing is that I give Motley Crue their respect for writing a couple sing along good songs, but Motley Crue to me, like the girls, girls, girls stuff, like Eddie Vedder yeah. is making fun of. Look, I'm not old enough to have seen Motley Crue in their prime and to appreciate them. So maybe I, think I can't why. comment on how amazing they are because I saw them in the '90s. I saw them with without Tommy Lee one time. I saw them with the the drummer from Hole. I swear at the Mandalay Bay. Yeah, I don't know what year that was. I feel like it was like 2000 or something like that. But Vince Neil was there. Mm-hmm. And then I saw him obviously on their farewell tour and all that stuff. So I've seen Motley Crue live and I understand. I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm glad you appreciate what I said. And I'm not saying they're not a good time <laughs> because we all know their songs, but I think in comparison to Pearl Jam, I get bored at Motley Crue because I don't know. Well, I, because you begin. Well, I, I would, I, the, the only, the one and only time I saw the one was it when they were like doing the farewell, the farewell thing tour. at the heart. Yeah. yeah the, and then like, I don't know. I just Vince Neil and I don't know. It, it ruins everything for me. Would you see Pearl Jam again? I've never seen Pearl Jam. Okay. I would you, love yeah, to yeah. see that. Have you ever seen them? Uh, no. Wow. Never seen one. I've never seen. That's kind of crazy. That I've seen you guys I've worked seen... at the, you guys have worked at the radio station for you. Well, 20 actually, no, years. I have seen pro jam. I have seen pro jam. I have seen pro. Jam. Oh, you have. It was and years ago. And again, I mean, I just stood there for about 20 minutes and again, I was like, this like, is boring. During, like, the, during the time that I've been at the radio station, they, I don't remember them like pro jam ever coming. No kidding. To they, Vegas. Skip, they skip Vegas all yeah, the time. That's what I'm saying. This was years yeah. ago, and, but, but that, that's the only reason why I saw Motley Cruz because we had tickets. And I was like, well, I, I, the best Pearl Jam show I saw. And like I said, they just, to me, it's like, I can't even compare it to Motley Crue, but well, I saw them on their, like, I think it was their 20th anniversary. Foo Fighters was playing at 2 PM at the house of blues across the street. And I went and saw the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl was beyond drunk. It was, it was an awful performance, but it was fun. And then he went on stage with them at the uh, MGM Grand out here. And it was like the 20th anniversary of Pearl Jam. So we're going back to like 2000, right. maybe not 20, 10th, 10th anniversary. Mm-hmm. That's how long ago um, that was. And uh, I've, I've driven to see them. Like when Temple of the Dog did a reunion out there in yeah. California, stuff like that. Like that's, but I, the last time I saw them in Vegas, I think was 2000. But mm-hmm. um yeah, they're an they're an amazing live band. But here's the thing, though, you're a huge Pearl Jam fan. You I'm not like Pearl Jam. Oh no, I like them, but I'm not a huge. See, Pearl I'm not a big fan. Pearl Jam fan at all. Outside of ten, like I'm 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 done. I would say I'm more of a Pearl Jam fan than I am a Motley Crue. I will listen to three Motley Crue records, pretty much, maybe two, you know, on occasion. Same, but basically, just with the songs. To me, it just sounds like after ten, Pearl Jam just started going the Bruce Springsteen route, and only one guy can do Bruce Springsteen. And it just seems like these guys have been doing like a poor man's Neil Young, poor man's Bruce Springsteen for years. And it's like, I'm just not into it. That avocado record was badass, bro. That was the last one that blew my mind. The avocado one. That was rock and roll, man. That was was legit shit. So they they still got it in them. I mean, I I know what you're saying, but I I can't, I can't. 
I can't say the Bruce Springsteen. Act, well, if you listen to the new Eddie Vedder. That's definitely Eddie Vedder's solo stuff is yeah. different. But I do feel the new records do lean a little heavy on the Eddie Vedder. So I'm with you. So, anyways, if 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 a guy gives his opinion and says, "Hey, I despise Motley Crue," and the way Eddie Vedder's talking about it is in like the '80s when he was working in San Diego, like loading gear on a show, yeah. like in the heyday, he hated the hair metal. I think he did uh, like Guns N' Roses. Yeah, he's, and he stated that yeah. he liked Guns N' Roses. He's like, thank God Guns N' Roses came out, and then it was a different beast. And then he he likened the, it was kind of funny, he likened the way that females acted in the grunge era, opposed to when they acted in the Motley Crue era, <laughs> which was, I mean, I, I see that as well. So, uh, but Nikki Six respond, you know, and he pretty much said they're the most boring band on the planet. And he got a butt hurt. He did get so, butt hurt. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he looks kind of. I think he hashtagged it uh, Stadium Rock or Stadium Tour or something. But truthfully, man, like with with Nikki Six, um, you know, responding to it, I think it looks bad for him. Look, dude, Vince Neil has been a butt of jokes for a, I mean, years on years on years. You think right? that that bothers him? No, I he think keeps, so. He keeps doing what he's doing. I know. I do. Keep do you, I, I think it does bother all of them except for Mick Mars. Do that, Vince. Play Vince for Keep me. Keep on rocking, shout the devil, and uh... <laughs> love it. Well, moving on That's to like uh, Hulk Hogan's. Uh, what is it? Eat your vegetables. Yeah, and eat say your, your vegetables. Say your prayers. <laughs> Keep version. on rocking. Uh... Uh... Moving on to the next story. Talk about a legend, a great. Amazing person. That's Rob Halford, of course. We love Rob Halford. Love Rob Halford. We did discuss... He's an American institution that wasn't born in America. Ashless chaps. Yes, he had ashless chaps for us, mm-hmm. which I was not... I don't know why that picture... I was like, oh, Rob. I mean, I was... I was hilarious. I laughed. I was like, Rob, look at you. What was he, like 70? Yeah. You think he's trying to thirst trap with like 70-year-old butt cheeks? No, dude. He's out there showing everyone. He's like, look, man, I'm out there to party. I took it as a thirst trap. You took it as a thirst trap? I did. God, I did. Man. I was like, don't thirst trap nah, me, Rob Halford. let him live, man. You're the metal he's, god. Nah, let him do it. Let him <laughs> let thirst him trap. Anyways, remember when, when that, for, inspiration, for that Rob. week, I guess, where Judas Priest let go of Andy Sneap, and there were a four-piece? I think Brandon just sneezed on my hand. No. <laughs> oh, you need some hand sanding? No, I cleared my throat. Nothing even came out of my mouth. You need oh. some hand sanding? So the air hit me. Okay. So that was the clear of the throat. Anyways, we're good. Air hit me. Gross. <laughs> Give me some in the hand sanding. Anyways, I'm kidding. Uh, Rob Halford, he did the four-piece. The internet exploded on his ass. Said, what the fuck are you talking about? Do a guitar. And then we talked about it. And I think the day we recorded the show, a new story came out where they're like, we're a five-piece again. Anyways, Rob Halford admitted that that was his idea <laughs> at least he took responsibility well i mean right? if, if if you're judas priest and you're like okay you know one of the one of the members has to bow out you know i'm sure you want to keep as much of the original intact right and it's like yeah. bringing in someone new it's almost alien to the fans they don't he doesn't want to do that but dude it's judas priest mm-hmm. the two guitars that's what they have been. Mm-hmm. I, you have to have two guitars yeah. of Judas Priest. It's it's you're you're just Judas. Wait wait wait. Just Judas. Just Judas. Just Jesus. You need the priest. Oh, you yikes. need the priest in there, buddy. Come on. I I, I, I the reason I want to touch it on is because like you said, Sylvia, he owned up to it. We're all yeah. like, who's 
stupid ass idea was this and it's me. Yeah. He's like, like bro. I got crazy. I, I know. My, Richie's my recovering from a heart attack. So my I'm like, ass. let me sneak in there and make him do double work. Yep. <laughs> my ass was hanging out of my chaps. I, was, I felt too good. I, yeah. I felt so confident. I had such a, I had too much of a breeze on my asshole because of my chaps. And so like, guys, I was just I, I we'll don't know what Tipton I was thinking. Come out once a show to do the songs right. My and, butthole felt good. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just fuck it. But I thought butthole it was felt good. I was overconfident in the band. I didn't think. I thought we could drop one more member, but no, you need oh a five. It is water on the bridge, as he said. Uh, it only lasted about a week, um, and I'm glad that they decided not to do that. Oh, because that's good. now I'm, I'm more excited to see them here I as love, their tour comes around. I love when an artist, now keep in mind, artists, as we know, are usually the worst people on the planet because they're super selfish and cunty. But wow. when I'm not ar- going with that. I'm going the with worst that. On the, the worst on the planet, okay? Now, granted, I'm not saying every artist is bad. Cunty. You know what I mean? But what I'm going to say is when an artist like Judas Priest, like when an artist like Rob Helfer comes out mm. and he, who's always been just one, just always been just cool to, every time he's like the exact opposite of what I was yeah. talking about with yeah, the yeah, artist yeah. being the worst people. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? But like, I just love when, when an artist of his caliber comes out and he's like, yeah, guys, eh, we fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, and then everyone's like, Oh Rob. All right. Yeah, you know, a little, oh, you little, little, little butt yeah. neck. Yeah. 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 yeah a, little, a little tap on the chaps. Totally fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Doop, doop, doop. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, mean, I like the fact that he owned up to it. Next story you want to talk about real quick, guys. Before we jump into our interview with Barney from Napalm Death, Machine Head has stated their new album is done. Now, the last record, Catharsis, we have stated on this show that we are not fans of. That was a, a massive misfire. Um, but I'm obviously, I've always stated that I bought the physical copy and it came with a live DVD performance yeah. uh, with the previous band. And that was well worth buying the record because <laughs> that live DVD was awesome. It was two and a half hours of them at the hometown, dude. And I don't know. Anyways, so I've watched that DVD a ton. Obviously, no catharsis songs are on there. It was recorded. The DVD was done beforehand. But what are... And, and then he's done a lot of singles that sound eh, in the vein, I think, more or less leaning towards the catharsis sound than the the older, you know blackening through the ashes of empire unto locust sound um but what do you guys i don't even know who's on the record p- performing the drums and the guitars if it's vog from decapitated that's super interesting because that's who was touring with them but i don't know uh it doesn't say this in this in the article i'm just making assumptions but what do you guys think uh let's you think it's gonna be bad i feel like he's i feel like rob flynn's not gonna correct anything and just stick with what he's feeling. yeah i just think yeah. that he was very confident with his last record yeah and why wouldn't he go out the same way sure. you know i mean it's like again when you're an artist you got to believe in yourself and again this is what contributes to the cuntiness of an artist i'm not saying that rob flynn is a cunt but what i'm saying he's is double downing on cunt yeah. no i am because you have to stick to your guns dude and everyone around you that's working with you could find you extremely irritating and how often does that work when you stick to your guns and everyone's like, come on, man, like tweak it a little bit. And then every once in a while, they're right. Well, he's been right on so many records before, except for this yeah. last one. I mean, I'm sure maybe he takes a couple of pages out of the book where he's like, maybe I don't really like this. I don't like this. Maybe mm-hmm. apply this to the new material. But mm-hmm. this might be who he is now. I mean, again, this might be the, the evolution of what he is as an artist. Rapping. Well, I mean, <sighs> a little more... Hopefully New metal not. and hip hop flair, but, but, but the civil unrest single though that they put out a few years back. You no, know, you're talking about the Jesse Leach one. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that I mean was, that was metal. Yeah. Oh no, no, but that wasn't. I think that was for the George Floyd 
uh, tribute type of thing. And it was more of a little hardcore song. But I mean, no, he's, he's, I mean, Catharsis is still metal. It's just not previous sounding. It's, it's leaning towards more of that radio friendly metal, mm. new metal type of things that he did on the Burning Red, I think. And, uh, and there's some, there's some jams on the Burning Red Supercharger. There's some jams. I can listen to American High and Deafening Silence forever on those two records, but Catharsis didn't have either one, any track like that, you know? Um, so moving on to the last story before we jump into our interview, guys. This is a Jonathan Davis story. Now, I know I'm not a big corn fan. You want to know why I know I'm not a big corn fan? Dreadlocks. Well, no. Oh, because no, oh. Jonathan Davis named the corn album that failed miserably, and it's probably in my top five <laughs> favorite corn records. Which one was it? <laughs> the one he said failed miserably is Corn Three, Remember Who You Are. Okay. That is the Skrillex. And that's not the no no no. Oh. That's what I'm gonna say. Like the the path to totality. See you on the other side. Untitled. These were unlistenable records to me, man. I like see you on the other side. Okay, that's I fine. I I think life I, I is peachy. Is I unlistenable. I wasn't mad at untitled. Right? I like corn. Yeah. So I mean, I, I this the, the only corn record that's like almost like. <laughs> Why are you laughing, dude? I don't know. Just because you're like embarrassed to say I like corn. <laughs> oh, I like corn. Like I Pete's like kind of Pete's kind of tearing him down. And you're like, but I like oh, them. But those are good, man. No, just like, nervous laughter. I like corn. I don't like judge corn. me. No, please. I was in the corn cage. It was fun. Oh, yeah. At the Tom's Mac. Were you there? I wasn't there, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I got to be in the corn cage. It was one of my favorite on Because you're like on the stage. I was on the stage. You're behind them. It was like scaffolding, and there was a bunch of us that had to dance the whole set in the cage looking out at the... It was at the Thomas and Mac Center when I was a a teenager. Yeah. And And you had to dance the whole time? Well, you had to slam dance. You were just moving. I'm not... No, no. It was a scaffolding. There was only like maybe three feet, four feet. You couldn't move or anything like that. You couldn't do anything stupid. But I had a great memory where uh, Ice Cube talked to me because this was a family values values, tour. And I'm waiting in line to get in the cord cage and Wes Borland, the coolest of the cool, for reals, he's making coffee. And I was like, oh, dude, I want coffee. I said it to my friend. He overheard me. He's like, I'll make you a cup of coffee. And then he made me coffee. He's like, you want cream? He gave it to me. And then Ice Cube walks by. He goes, don't drink nothing from this motherfucker. And he walks away. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, I took the coffee. And I was like, this is a moment right before I got into the yeah. court cage. And then I met Corn, and they all signed this picture. And oh, they were nice. fantastic. So I'm not talking shit about Corn. They got 15 records. I don't know how many records. They got, they got a ton. But Corn 3 was like, uh, to me, Untouchables was my favorite. Or the first one's the best, I'm sorry. Then Untouchables was probably my favorite. I was a big fan of the majority of the songs on Issues. And half of Follow the Leader is all hits, and I like it. But half of it's garbage. So take a look at the mirror. Same thing. Half and half. Loved it. But then I didn't listen to any records. And then when Corn 3 came out, I was like, finally, I can listen to them again. (laughs) I'm good with this. And then the path of totality happened. I was like, fuck. And then when, uh, I don't know, man, I was a big fan of Serenity of Suffering and the Nothing. So I'm probably going to pick up their new one. But the point is, is that. That was when Head came back, though. The newest single. Uh, I never listened to the record Head came back on. Um, what was that one? Paradigm Shift? Yeah. He wasn't on the path of totality, was he? I, I never, I, I so did not enjoy the path of totality. The next record was the one Head came back on. And I, the single sounded similar. So I just completely blew it off. I never yeah. even listened to it. But their newest single, I think it's just called Start the Healing. That yeah. one's actually, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of so that So are you guys even familiar with this Corn 3 record? I want to go back and listen to it. Maybe I'm wrong. I couldn't tell you. Well, now but, I want to listen to it again. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you a single that's I, on that album. I just love when an artist lets us know like which one of his kids is the ugliest. 
<laughs> uh, you know what? It's funny is I remember asking John Bush that years ago about like what's his favorite Anthrax record sure. when he was there at Armored State, and he flat out said he's like, "I'll never say a bad thing about anything I created because to someone." They love it. And I was like, that's the answer I want to yeah. hear. Yeah. That that's is true. the answer I want to Because hear. at yeah. that like moment. Note, Jonathan Davis. Well, here's the thing. It's like at that moment, you were feeling that. That's why yeah. when Metallica jokes, makes any kind of a joke about St. Anger, I'm like, you had decades in the business oh. before you released that. And you felt good about it. You thought you were going to change the world with the way you had the drum set up. You didn't. Which yes. also, I'm not, I'm not angry at St. I'm not angry at it, but I mean, it's like, but when, but like it's a misfire, it. it's a yeah. misfire. There's no doubt. It's a misfire. Yeah. But I, but I always, but I do Death like Magnetic it. was so good because St. Anger was so bad. Yeah. I don't know I if Death like Magnetic it. is as good as I think it is. No. Cause I fucking love Death Magnetic, I like but Death I think Magnetic. it's so good because St. Anger was so bad. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think. Every yeah. time I put that on, I'm like, Oh, I love this record. It's like, I love it. But it's because I, I didn't think I was going to get another one. I loved, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, dude, Death Magnetic is better than Hardwired. Bring it. Oh, wow. come at him, bro. Come at me. Wow. Hardwire's yeah. got, you know, spit out the bone. It's probably the best song they've written in no, forever. No, there's another one. I can't remember. Nah, come on. Hardwire's 50-50. That's it's right. Ju- it's just like follow the leader. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, <laughs> Anyways you guys circle. let me know. Do you guys agree with Jonathan Davis on Corn 3? I think he's got memories that were just bad in the studio, and he's like, that record suck. I, I don't that know, man. That could be it. I, I'm telling you. It's, it's not the best. But there I, was probably something going on in his life at that yeah. time. And then when he listens to it now, he's like, what the fuck was I well, thinking? Yeah, I you think, know, uh, like that's happened. Didn't uh, his like ex-wife committed suicide? Oh, yeah. That was, something. yeah, that was way after this record. Uh, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if she committed. I don't know the deal. I know she passed away. Or oh, I can't remember. I like, can't OD remember. Was it? I, was I it something remember. like that? It was something awful. Yeah. Usually when it's a personal it, it tragedy was, for somebody, tough. I take in the information and I don't need the details. Uh, I think it's foul that we're. We always want details about yeah. stuff like that. Uh, I've always, I've always been that way. I'm like, oh, that's sad. I'm leaving it at sad. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I move on. So that's I, why you don't get clicks. Well, you're not a worry. You're not willing to sell yourself out for clickbait. This guy, nah, wow. humans for like me, like me. No, you don't have to like me. <laughs> okay, like the like this though. Like the guy I'm talking to. Buy the record. Wow. Let's jump into my interview right now, guys. That was a segue. Yeah, <laughs> Barney. Wow. Barney. Once again, napalm death, guys. Let's jump in. Everyone, uh, Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast, on the phone, back on the show. I got Barney from Napalm Death. We are here to celebrate the new mini-album, Resentment is Always Seismic, guys. It's coming out February 11th. Make sure you're pre-ordering it. Barney, welcome back, my friend. Uh, uh, hello. <laughs> first thing I want to talk about, dude, I'm out here in the States, as you know. Um, you, you just did the Guar show. Uh, I hate God. You did a full tour in North America. Uh, tell me the experience of getting visas and all that stuff post-pandemic to make that show happen for you guys. God, I, I mean, at first, it, honestly, it was a complete slug. Um, I mean, we, basically, when we tried to get our original appointments to get the visas, we were told, I'll oh, come back in about a year's time. You know, we were like, um, well, the tour starts like in two months, you know. So there was there was not, on, on the, through the regular channel, it was just not not happening you know so we had to do um we had to go like a special route which which when i say special route effectively means paying money that we haven't got you know to to make sure we got the visas otherwise it was just going to be completely out of the question so so that's what we did so once we got over that process obviously we were in you know and um yeah the 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 tour itself was uh 
was it was it was great but it was you know you had to be kind of a little bit um vigilant you know um to to try as best you could to not be mixing with too many people who you didn't know you know um for the, for the for the obvious reasons at this point in time which is completely alien to my way of doing things usually but of course we completely understood why that needed to be the case unfortunately didn't stop all of us from getting covid right at the end of the tour you know so that was uh that was rough <laughs> to say the least and 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 uh, i don't know i don't know who got covid but again i know that the healthcare system because you guys are from the you know uk um yeah. how does that work i mean do you just have to tough it out or would, were you willing or able to come to the states because i know it's going to backfire financially for you guys if you got to go to our well t- well well two things i mean yeah. um first of all it was right at the end of the tour after we finished actually oh, so okay. we got we got we good but in some ways but not in others i mean i had to stay over for 10 days when i didn't mm. in, in in the states when i didn't want to you know and it was a it was a big old financial hit for the band on top of everything else i mean the covid tests that we had to do while in the states the cost was eye watering you know what i mean so it was We'd already got that, and then we had to pay for a load of accommodation. And that was the financial hit. But on the other side of things, we got travel insurance. You know, so we made sure that everybody got travel insurance just in case they became hospitalised. Um, nobody did in the end, but we we were covered for the hospitalisation, but not for the accommodation. So we still had to pay for that. You know, which was. Uh, it was a bit of a wound. You know, so. Absolutely. No, but I like fans to hear this and know this is why you guys can't miss a show. Like when, when, when you're re- ready, able and stuff like that, it's because the sacrifices you guys make to come over here and the risk you're taking definitely during this time is huge. Now the visa I'm hoping is like a normal visa where you get a year uh, worth yeah. of touring. So you guys are coming back out. If I'm not mistaken with behemoth and arch enemy, um, yeah, in May, so that's great. At least there's going to be a second go round with the extra money that the sure. visa cost, and uh, that tour is going it, to be amazing. Yeah, it's it's really strange, man, because um, America is actually the easiest place to tour right now. You know, we, we we just had a European tour going out, which was, I mean, okay, the the BMOth Arch Enemy, it's um, it's um, a little lighter in terms of the sort of bands we usually play with, but that's fine. You know, it'll be new people. I'm sure, you know, people that won't have heard of us before that we can completely blow their ears out, you know, hopefully so. But um, yeah, we had a European tour with um, some other bands um, that's just got canceled uh, or postponed till next year because, because of the varying um, COVID um, restrictions, at this point from different countries it logistically it was just not not doable right now you know so the states is actually the easiest place so far you know to be able to tour so if we can and obviously this tour came up unexpectedly the one in april um then then we may as well we may as well do it you know yeah absolutely and that was a question i was going to follow up is that are we the easiest uh, to tour right now because besides the visa thing for a lot of bands that I'm hearing is being difficult, but you're right. All the restrictions for every country, every border you cross is going to be different. And, um, it, it, there isn't really a set rule 
that anybody's gone through that since this uh, Omicron variant has kind of come out, mm-hmm. right? So it sounds like every European tour is get, just getting canceled that's been scheduled, um, I guess, since November, December. Is that what you're seeing out there as well? Well, yeah, that's why we can't. I mean, uh, Petr, if you know anything about us as a band, you know it, mm-hmm. it would really it would really be to the nth degree that something wasn't possible for us to pull it. You know what I mean? Especially oh, yeah. at this short, especially at this short notice. I mean, I, I was gutted to be honest. Um, it, it, I mean, one of the bands on the tour was Doom. You know, uh, the punk band who, are, like, the drummer is one of my oldest friends. You know, and uh, I really wanted to do it. I was really looking forward to it. You know, and it just all fell apart. You know, at, at very short notice. We we hung on in there as 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 long as we could. But it just became clear that because of the different, as I say, the different regulations in each European country, it was just too prohibitive, you know. And 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 there is a chance in Europe, I, I think, I mean, people will correct me if I'm wrong, but that restrictions might even change for some countries. So it could get more severe while we're out there, you know. And if we can't get into a country because of that, well, you know, for the logistics of the tour and stuff, that's going to be really difficult. You know, so we we kind of took the unfortunate but necessary decision at this point to just, you know, not not chance it at this point. It'd be too much of a risk for us for the tour, you know. So absolutely. No, risk versus return, it does seem like the risk is too much right now. Um and uh it's unfortunate, man. I, I swear last time I talked to you, I, I thought at this stage we'd be uh in a much stronger place, dude. What do you think, just in your opinion, now we're just talking like conjecture, so nobody take this as fact, people, but in your opinion, what do you think is is holding your region of the world back from getting to whatever kind of new normalcy we're supposed to be getting to? Uh, the UK specifically? Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, the government in the UK has been absolutely abject you know, I mean, I, I will say that. I mean, yeah, okay, the vaccination thing kind of happened um, quite well. But, I mean, some of the stuff that's gone on over here is just, you know, uh, just, I don't know, just unfathomable almost, you know. I mean, the level of deaths in the UK is, is just, to me, is unacceptable. You know what I mean? It really is. So... I mean that's that's what I would say. Um, we we are actually going to do gigs in the UK as a kind of stopgap for this European that's been tour that's been cancelled because things have opened up in that respect in in the UK. The only thing I would say about it is that's all well and good, but I still feel a little bit that the vulnerable for me it depends where you come in from. This for me the main factor was always to protect the vulnerable. You know, because it's all well and good people like me and you, assuming you're mm-hmm. completely healthy and stuff. It's all well and good us walking around and, you know, doing things again. But there are people out there who, if they catch whatever variant, it's going to make them, it's going to be pretty pretty bad for them. You know, it could it could result in hospitalisation or death still, you know. So, so I, I'm, not, I'm not of the mind to, you know, just say, oh, those people will be fine. They can just stay indoors and everybody else will be fine. Well, surely, as human beings, that that's not what we should accept, you know, that, that kind of culture. You know, so I, I, it does bother me, that does, you know, that people are being left by the wayside a little bit. 
at the at the cost of everybody else being able to go about and do their stuff as they did before. That that's not that's not great to me, you know. I think I I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I remember when it first happened and, and the shutdown was happening across. I I thought there would be. I always thought there'd be some sort of mobilization and there's probably, it's probably not realistic. I'm not in the healthcare industry for, for doctors to do door to door service and check people out and see who might be vulnerable and things like that across, you know, the States or even the UK. But I figured like some sort of mobilization, like military wise, where we can kind of go door to door and, and see the possibilities and kind of give us a rank of where we are on a scale of, of yeah. vulnerability. I think that would have been really, really just helpful so we know. Like if, if I had a well, family member and somebody's like, hey, this they're on an eight scale of a ten, I, I want to know that and, and Yeah, of course. You know I mean that, that they did it in the UK pretty successfully. Oh, I they did do that. Say. Oh okay. they, they they did do it. But the problem is is that now now the restrictions of now it's opened up in the UK to a to a fairly significant degree. It seems that that, that consideration for the vulnerable has kind of gone now. You know, it's like, oh, that, it's long enough now. It's you guys will now, just yeah. have to kind of deal with it like everybody else, you know. And I don't think I don't think that's fair, you know. I mean, I can only I can only speak generally, you know, I respect my fellow human beings, you know, and that also means not putting them at risk, you know. So that's my take on it, you know. I mean, it's, it is. I, I would say that in a pandemic or outside of a pandemic, you know, I want them as much as I can. You know, I have consideration for my fellow human beings. You know, so absolutely no. I, I'm I'm with I'm completely in agreement with you on that, Barney. And and one thing I, I did read like a this I'm not finished with this book, but the the concept of it it's an older book, and I'm trying to remember the author's name off the top of my head, which I should know. But it it, it was telling me the the correlation between uh, marketing and misinformation and how they're the same thing. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, and I and I part of me feels I understand and I see the viewpoints are coming from that. But how do you feel? Do you feel that marketing and misinformation has been a part of our society forever uh, for since we've been alive? And do you think well, that- probably in different forms? We probably mm-hmm. didn't notice marketing back then, you know. But I mean, speaking for myself, yes, yeah. I like to think, and, and I know experts might might kind of argue with this, but I like to think that I'm not influenced by that stuff, you know. Um, for example, you know, wherever I buy, whatever I need to buy, and I, I, I've, I, I don't overconsume. I certainly try not to overconsume. If someone comes at me with a flashy ad or however it's, however it's uh, structured to try and, you know, get into my synapses or whatever, it will not succeed. You know, because I, I, that's the way I am. You know, I don't consume unnecessarily, so I'm not going to be sold on a hook for something it's just not going to happen but speaking not for myself yes it does seem to work you know and i think it does unfortunately it does work that way you know so is there a way to change that angle or because i mean if if for modern times or even the younger people um is there a way to change like that that marketing influence or the misinformation um i I think i think yeah, I think. Uh, sorry, Pete. I didn't, no, uh, Petra, I didn't mention. Yeah. I, I think that you know the whole ki- the key to this is to make people realise that we don't need to consume as much as we do. We do not need to consume, you know. And actually, a cut down on consumption would make for a more equitable world, 
you know, because of redistribution of resources and wealth as well at the same time. And, um, and it'd be better for the environment, which is the thing that everybody's trying to deal with right now, which unless, unless we cut down on consumption, overconsumption, it's never going to work, you know, environmental protection. That's a key part of the puzzle, you know. So so that's what has to happen. It's from the ground up, you know, a whole sort of re-emphasis really on what life can bring, you know, and, 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 the, and, the, and the good things in life, which for me is not overconsumption, you know. I don't need... I don't need the latest car, you know, with all the fancy gadgets on when I've already got an old car that works quite nicely. Thank you very much. You know, I don't need um, whatever products you care to mention. You know, I just, mm -hmm. I just don't need them. You know, I've got my set of stuff in my life that I've got and, you know, I use stuff and once it's gone, it's gone, you know, and I just, then I will rebuy something if i need it you know so yeah yeah and i but i love that you brought up the the consumer because i think the consumer never realizes the power they have um i think that there's so many evil corporations that we talk about all the time that um we as consumers we look the other way and keep them in business not only in business but thriving and thriving and thriving i'm talking about as a majority um, sure. And, 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 and even, even the media, if, if there's certain aspects of the media, the misinformation or the marketing that we accept, we do have a collective power. But do you think the, sure. the strength, like you said, of, of the messaging will always be able to hold us back because we're not strong enough as a culture to beat that kind of consumerism and, and I think, I think, choose the right yeah, thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think from the press, on the angle of the press, I must say I am I'm always a bit nervous about um, kind of muzzling the press a little bit because whilst there might be a lot of stuff that comes out in certain parts of the press that I find deeply unpalatable myself, I still am for freedom of speech, mm -hmm. you know, in that respect of freedom of print. I absolutely am. Advertising is a different thing, you know, because that is the direct the direct um um pushing of product you know and selling of product the press is a little different to that you know um and i just think that while consumption is power you know when the need to have more stuff and, and greater uh, stuff with a greater um prestige to it it will not stop it will just snowball and snowball and snowball people just want more stuff and when people want they will get you know in the, these Multinationals. I, I wouldn't necessarily. I wouldn't use the word evil, but you know, these these multinationals will continue to supply. You know, so it's it's that right at that root. You know, it's it's understanding what's at stake by overconsumption. You know, it really is. You know, and I'm sure I can just hear the responses now from some people. Oh, these bloody communists. You know, when it has absolutely nothing. It has nothing to do with that at all. You know, it's very much a human issue, you know, and and, and um, it's, it's for the benefit of us all, you know, the benefit of the world that we live in. Because if we keep doing this and we don't learn these lessons, then sooner or later you will learn the lesson 
because you'll be forced to, you know, yeah, the hard, the <laughs> like by, by environmental forces, you know, the longer you ignore, uh, the harder the lesson becomes when it's out of your control. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. And that is something that I've always dealt with is like, I, I, there's a lot of negative things that there, if there's a supply for it or there's a demand for it, someone's willing to supply for it, even if it's bad for us as people or nature or anything like that. Um, it's, it's a, a we can control what supply we want. Um, yeah. and, and, and there's a lot of times that I, 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 when I talk to people, I feel like what they don't believe what I'm saying. Like, no, we can't get yeah. our supply. Um, we can make it not having a demand if it's hurting, you know, and yeah, general. absolutely. Um, but I, I guess that would lead me to kind of a question about like a, the group collective, which I did actually want to ask you about. Um, do you consider like, what are your thoughts on like group think? And how it's affected now uh, with the pandemic globally? Um, group group think. I mean, de- define that because that could be several things. Yeah, you know, define a little bit more. Uh, group think. I guess any kind of thought that's not based on the individual experience. That's based on. Yeah. I need to think like people are telling me to think. And sure, how, in that respect. Yeah. yeah. How do you think the pandemic yeah. has affected us with that in that respect? I think it's only heightened it. I think it's always been there, to be honest. You know, I mean, I mean, it's funny. I was watching, um, I was watching a crime documentary about today about Dennis Nilsson. You know, who oh, yeah. was, yeah, um, who who murdered all those really really sad. You know, um, guys that were already, you know, um, um, disadvantaged in terms of their place in society. You know, so called caring society. You know. And they were murdered by, you know, uh, brutalised and murdered by by Dennis Nelson. Um, and it's funny because they showed footage from the Times, which was the eighties, you know, and um, they did vox pops on the streets about what people thought about, um, you know, the gay um, uh, the gay areas around London and stuff, you know, where guys would go to meet other guys because it was illegal at that point in, in the UK, you know, shamefully, you know. And uh, they went and did Vox Pops on the streets. And some of the things that people were saying were just like, it was just, I'd just bury your head in your hands kind of stuff, you know. So that was group thing back then, mm-hmm. you know, that, um, that people sort of were almost led to believe that being gay was like a plague sort of disease almost, you know, it was classed as a, as a disease, you know, rather than a, a biological thing as natural as um, whether we grow up with long fingers or short fingers, you know, or something like that, you know. So um, that that kind of group think is incredibly harmful, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, similarly with, with the pandemic thing, you know, it's uh, – it's a funny old thing, really, you know, because I, one of the things I struggle with is I know there's a lot of people who choose not to be vaccinated. Um, and as much as I have lots of arguments with the drug companies historically, you know, I think that the vaccination is a very necessary thing with this. I would always encourage people. But I also think it's not right to to almost turn people um, as outcasts or lepers because they don't get vaccinated. You know, I know it's... I know it's. I know it can be problematic with people that are unvaccinated, maybe um, uh, mixing with the vulnerable. But I don't think they should be. I wouldn't expect anybody else in any other situation to be victimised, you know. And I don't. 
I don't think they should be either. You know, I actually don't. I haven't got an answer for that, you know, but I, I don't think people should be forced. That's really not a good thing, you know, for people to be um, um, shunned and, and ostracized and um, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Absolutely. No, I agree with you completely. I've said that many times is that I, I think that everybody's got to take their own journey to get there. And that yeah. we have to lead by an example in our lives. Yeah. And then those that want to listen to us, whether it be someone that's five people or someone that's a hundred people, whatever, those little things just matter. But just by leading by an example and, and explaining your side, you know, for me, I, I've, I've actually had a couple friends that refused that are diehard metalheads like myself. And I'm like, if you want to come back to the show, if you want to keep the clubs open, if you want to keep these bands yeah. on tour, you're doing yeah. it for your community, man. You know, that's why we're doing this. And it, and they're like, you got yeah. a point there. I don't want to get anybody sick. I don't want to ruin tours. I don't want to mess things up. So it's like when you personalize it, sometimes they, they'll, they'll look at it from a different angle and that's all we sure, can do. Yeah. But yeah, I would, no, I understand that. yeah, I would never I'm like you, I would never make someone feel, if someone's uncomfortable with something, I think my job as a human being is to either make them comfortable or explain why I'm comfortable with it and let them make their own decisions. Yeah, I mean, I completely understand the hesitancy. I, w- yeah, yeah. I wouldn't argue with anybody, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, there are there are there are certain parallels to this. You know, the big the big thing in the states right now, um, as I've spoken about many times, and you, you'll know about this, Peter, is the the fight to keep women controlling their own bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, so bod- bodily control is surely one of the last human rights unfortunately that we've got you know what i mean in 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 society you know it should be protected at all costs you know agreed completely man so with that barney i know our time's running out but dude i gotta ask you a question about the record we're here everybody to celebrate the mini lp mini album resentment is always seismic it's coming out february 11th we we went off on different topics i'm sure that the fans always just love to hear the conversation part but i do want to shine a light because i love the record man uh tell me about some of the songs and the recording session for these were they all were they all done during the throws session or did yeah they were all done they were all done during the throws thing so it's only by virtue of the fact that they just didn't at the time when we were, you know, deciding the track list for throws, they, they just didn't fit with what we ended up going for. It's not that uh, it's not that we, we looked at these songs that are on the Resentment um, uh, mini-album and we said, oh, those are kind of second, those are the second division songs. Not at all. You know, they just didn't fit in with the context that we had for the album at the time. So I think it's good. You know, they, have, they certainly have the same production quality. And they have, they certainly have plenty of thrust, I think. So yeah, I mean, you know, it, it turned out the way it turned out, you know. And even though we had that bundle of songs left over, we didn't just kind of throw them at the wall and say, "All right, there they are. There's the mini album." You know, we took we took a bit of thought over that how they should be track listed and stuff. So. Yeah, dude. No, I'm telling you, they're strong. It's very strong songs. They're excellent. Out of the two covers, the slab one and the bad brains one, which one were you most excited to cover? Well, I, I mean, I'll always be excited by the Bad Brains, you know. But, but you know, in terms of slab, it was really exciting because again, it pushed, it pushed me, it pushed us as a band, you know. We, we, we. I mean, extreme extremity is the touchstones touchstone for us, and this is another branch of extremity, you know. It, it and me, me, sort of doing, for me, other people might 
you know, people might sort of have a different idea of it. But for me, the vocals, when I approached them for the slab cover, they're very Bauhaus for me, you know, if you're mm. familiar with that band at all. And then bringing Catherine in to do the to do the female voice, well, she just absolutely knocked it out of the park. You know, it's a fantastic performance, you know. Dude, excellent. Yeah, do you know, I, I got to listen back to it with this Bauhaus thing you just told me, um, which I'm going to do right after this interview, guys. But I'm telling you guys, if you guys don't, make sure you're picking up the new mini album, Resentment is Always Seismic. It's coming out February 11th. Pre-order it. And like you said, the songs are excellent, man. I, I'm super excited to get such a good, solid 30-minute record, man. It's 30 minutes right after yeah. we got Thoros just a little while ago, man. It's excellent. So the fans are going to love it. So with that, as always, Barney, I want to thank you so much, my friend, for calling in. To the- anytime. Anytime, Pesta. Thanks ever so much, man. And all the best to everybody listening. Man.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the latest mini album. Resentment is always seismic, guys. It's coming out February 11th. That track is called Narcissist. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering and picking it up. Theros of the Joy in the Jaws of Defeatism was one of our top three albums a couple years ago. And these songs are are from that session, man. And I'm telling you, when you guys listen to it, you're going to hear it. It's it's excellent. Make sure you're picking it up, guys. Resentment is always seismic. It's coming out February 11th. Second song you heard is the latest from one of the most inventive artists out there, man. Author and Punisher. That track is called Drone Carrying Dread. The new album, Cooler, is out February 11th as well, guys. If you haven't, make sure you check out this latest record from Author and Punisher. It's fucking excellent. With that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews we keep getting on the good old app. Apple, iTunes, us, our podcast team. That's all we ask for as a team, man. If you guys can give us a five-star review on the Apple iTunes, we don't need words. We don't need nothing. It helps the show grows and it makes us know you're out there. You guys are the best. If you guys want to email us, remember our email is rise to offend at gmail.com. You guys, and we will respond when we can, hopefully. But trust me, we get to them all and we read them all eventually. Even the hateful things, which are less and less these days. Thank you. They're hateful. And make sure to... Mm -hmm. Follow us on our other podcast. Support <laughs> our other podcast. Our other podcast is called Rise oh. to Offend, guys. It's a documentary discussion podcast. If you guys have not checked it out, we have done long documentaries on the likes of Marilyn Manson, Peter Steele, Phil Anselmo, As I Lay Dying, um, Chappelle Show, Andrew Dice Clay, Bill Hicks, name it. Go on. And then we've done political figures. We've done Colin Kaepernick. We've done sports figures. The latest one we've done months ago was Chuck Schuldiner for death. If you guys are curious on a documentary discussion podcast, don't hesitate. Go on over. Listen to Rise to Offend, available everywhere. And with that, until next week, all my friends out there, have a wonderful day. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.